Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling. How is everybody this week? I hope that this week is much better than last week. I know a lot of us are still recovering from Ian and trying to figure out how to move on and rebuild and even just pick up. A lot of people were affected by the monster storm that damaged not only southwest Florida, but Orlando, Daytona, Flagler Beach, St. Augustine, Wachula, Arcadia, and even those aren't half the communities that were affected. Those are just the ones that either I have dealt with or personally had friends that have told me about it. Um, Southwest Florida was heavily damaged because that's where the storm made landfall, and they still need help. Um, The rest of Florida also still needs help. Um, I've posted plenty of links on the podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages as to how you can help. No donation is too small. I even got excited that I went to Publix yesterday, and they asked me when I was checking out, do you want to make a donation to the American Red Cross Hurricane Disaster Relief? And I was like, absolutely. It's the least I can do. So I thought that was really cool. Um, But you can find links on all of my social media pages as to how to help donate, or if you're looking for help, how to get help. Um, I posted a FEMA thing and a Red Cross one, and so just reach out. I also want to say hello to a lot of new members in the Facebook group and page. You guys have been wonderful by sharing all the ways to help each other, checking in on each other, and even sharing the love for this wonderful state. I I do need to clarify a post I wrote that has slightly gone viral. Um, So I had people asking me during the hurricane if it would be okay to visit places like Sanibel, Venice, Fort Myers, and other places on their vacation in a few weeks. And I felt that this was very insensitive because it was literally at the moment of a hurricane destroying Florida. I felt that it was rude, and I just wanted them to stop. Um, So I posted what I felt, and I I don't regret posting it. In fact, it seems that a lot of people agree with my post. Um, And I've had a lot of support for it. I know that most of you agree that you probably shouldn't visit an area that just got decimated and people have lost their homes, and they're still not even accounted for all the people that are missing. so I want to specify, first of all, that I, I did mean it. I don't regret writing it. But also that if you read it, I didn't specify all of Florida. The Panhandle, Southeast Florida, other parts were not affected. So please come, visit, take your vacations, get married here. It's an amazing state, and I want you to see why. But don't visit the people who are trying to put their lives back together. That doesn't help them. If you wanted to go down there and help them, that's great. But don't go down there just to drive around and see the damage. Don't do that. You wouldn't want people doing that on some of your worst days. Um, But, you know, I just wanted to clarify that I do want people to come to Florida. I don't want people to mess with the people who are still hurting. Um, But but if you can donate, guys, please do. Uh, Food drives, blood drives, even the public's checkout is a great way to help these people in need. So today I'm going to talk about a Florida about a Florida, just a Florida, not a part of Florida. Sorry, guys. I want to talk about a part of Florida that has both good and bad things associated with this small town. So, and you're probably like, oh my gosh, there's tons of those in Florida. (laughs) Well, probably, but today we're going to talk about Ocala and the Ocala National Forest. Ocala is a small town in Marion County in northern part of Florida, And the city was named the horse capital of the world 2007, as it does have over 400 thoroughbred farms and training centers in its region. That's a lot. Now, Ocala is located what would have been the site of Ocala, or Ocala, which was a major, I never say this right, Samuica village 
and chiefdom dating back to the 16th century. And the modern city takes its name directly from the village, and its name is thought to mean Big Hammock. Um, the first time that Ocala was actually recorded as mentioned was during an expedition by Hernando de Soto in 1539. The Creek people the Creek people and other Native Americans, as well as free and fugitive African Americans, sought refuge in the area. And the group stayed in the Ocala area until mm, late 1800s, mid 1800s. Because in 1827, the U.S. Army built Fort King, and Fort King was felt was built to be a buffer to the Seminole and the white settlers who were moving in the area. So it's kind of that we're going to keep the peace. And the fort actually became important during the Second Seminole War, and it even served as the first courthouse in Marion County in 1844. Now, the city of Ocala was actually officially established in 1849 and developed around the Fort King uh, that was there to help. Plantations and agriculture developments were mostly the source of income and industry in the area, and mostly, unfortunately, ran on slave labor. And Ocala had a lot of citrus growing in that region until the Great Freeze from 1894 to 1895. And theirs was that a fire broke out on Thanksgiving Day in 1883, and it actually <laughs> burned down most of their town. Now, they didn't give up. They did rebuild. And the town actually was, they, they kind of got on this movement to rebuild with brick and granite and steel. and they Because they wanted it to be built better and stronger than it was before. And it really kind of got them the nickname Brick City by 1888 as they f- rebuilt this town. And their actual rebuilding, it helped it to continue to grow. It looked more modern. And by the 1900s, it became a horse capital. So that industry really took off. The first thoroughbred farm in Florida was actually developed in Marion County by Carl G. Rose in 1943. I don't know why, when I was writing this, I thought, excuse me, guys, the fall, it feels like fall in Florida and those allergies that come with it. So, the first horse farm was in 1943, but for some reason, because I had always heard Ocala was a horse capital of the world, I thought it was for a lot longer than that. I didn't realize it was still kind of a relatively new industry to the area. Um, So, once he developed this farm, the farms in the area also began to develop and became horse breeding grounds. And the horses from the area are really well pedigreed and well-known, actually, because... Several horses from the area have won races in the Triple Crown Series, and even in in 1978, Affirmed, who was bred and trained in Marion County, actually won all three races, which helped to boost just not just the industry, but the actual city itself, and show people that they can be taken seriously. Ocala is actually one of the only five cities permitted under the Chamber of Commerce hi- guidelines to use the title Horse Capital of the World due to annual revenue produced by just the horse industry in the city. And the industry actually sustains around 44,000 jobs that include breeding, training, and related support to the industry. The whole industry can bring in around $2.2 billion a year. So this is a very big industry and very big for Ocala. 
Post Time Farms and Ocala actually host one of the world's largest horse shows in the country. It's called Horses in the Sun, and it's a dressage jumper event that lasts around two months. And the event can bring in as much as 6 to $7 million for local Marion County yearly just from that event for two months. That is insane. And of course, as they are hosting the Horses in the Sun, there are other areas in the events happening that include endurance rides, barrel races, cowboy events, jumper shows, trick shows, radio events, and more. So if you're definitely into horses or you're in the industry, you've probably heard of Horses in the Sun, and this is probably somewhere you go. They also feature classes of over 100 different breeds that include Tennessee Walkers, Pasifino, Morgan Horses, Saddle Breeds, and American Quarter Horses. Ocala is definitely well known for their horses and the breeding of them. And so it's really cool that that is another industry that is home in Florida. And it's even better that we get to have a city that calls itself a horse capital of the world here in the Sunshine State. Now, of course, Ocala has more industry than that, but it also is continuing to grow. In fact, it's actually one of the highest growing rates in the state. It continues to grow while preserving its history. Um, it actually has a historic district, and the historic district was established in 1984 to preserve historic homes and buildings. So all those buildings that were built in the 1800s with brick and granite are still standing, and people have taken notice. East Fort King Street is actually home to many of the preserved buildings that hold beautiful examples of Victorian architecture. So remember how they said the city kind of grew around the fort? Well, that's what still happened when they rebuilt and Ocala is actually home to many structures listed on the National Historic National Register of Historic Places. I don't know why I can never say that. <laughs> and some of those buildings actually include the Coca-Cola Building, the E.C. Smith House, East Hall, Mount Zion AME Church, the Ritz Historic Inn, and the Union Train Station. The original Fort King still stands and was designated a National Historic Landmark itself in 2004. So you can still go see all the wonderful history that Ocala has had over the years, and even the original fort that helped to buffer the settlers from the Native Americans in the 1800s. So if you're into history, you might want to go check that out. Now, Ocala is also known for the beautiful part of Florida that it sits in, and it is surrounded by many springs. There's even a state trail, there's national forest, and the Okalawaha River. The... Main spring that is near Ocala is the Silver Spring State Park, and it's located near Ocala on the Silver River in Marion County. And fun fact, the park that contains Silver Springs was actually one of Florida's first tourist attractions. The Silver Springs has been an attraction since 1870s. The state purchased the land around the springs in 1985 to stop development of the area and to create Silver River State Park. Now, the state finally acquired the springs themselves in 1993 and officially took them over in 2013 as it merged with the already existing state park to become Silver Springs State Park. Now, the park is really cool. It's home to many different wildlife, such as armadillos, white-tailed deer, boars, turkeys, foxes, alligators, bobcats, and if you're lucky enough, you might even see a Florida black bear. You can visit the springs to participate in many fun events. They are open year-round. The springs do have glass-bottom boats, that you can actually ride around for a tour of the spring. Um, the boats have actually been a part of the park since the 1800s, and in fact, they say that's where they were invented. So that's kind of cool. And it gives you a really good glimpse into the underwater life in the springs um, that feed into the Silver River. The park also has a museum that will tell you the history of not only Florida, but the architecture, not the architecture, archaeology and geology related to the area. 
They also have a Cracker Village. That's another popular exhibit. And the village is a replica of the 19th century pioneer settlement to see what it would have been like to live in Florida in around 1890. Of course, if you're more into nature than museums, you can paddleboard, kayak, view the wildlife, or even camp in the springs for the full experience. The springs are definitely a place to check out in the Ocala area. They're not very far from this little downtown area. Um, and they're beautiful. I definitely recommend checking them out. Now, of course, Ocala is more known for the Ocala National Forest. The National Forest is the second largest nationally protected forest in the state of Florida. The forest itself covers 607 square miles in central Florida, and it is located only three miles east of Ocala. The forest was established in 1908, and it is the oldest national forest east of the Mississippi. The forest actually lies between two rivers, the Okalawaha and the St. John's River, that run through central Florida. The forest is so large, it actually covers three different counties, so it's in Marion, Lake, and Putnam counties. And it actually receives more visitors than any other forest in the Sunshine State with over, I saw between a million to three million visitors annually. Um, either way, that is a massive amount of tourism for Florida. And that's really cool for the Ocala area. I'm sure it only helps boost the industry f as well as what they add to the horse industry. So that's kind of cool that that part of the state is well known for Florida's beauty. Now, the forest itself is a conifer, southeastern conifer forest and a Florida sand pine scrub ecoregion. Now, the area is more of a dry, sandy area, and that really does help support the Florida longleaf pine sandhills and the Florida peninsula inland scrub. And these communities are actually sustained by the frequent fires that help to maintain the largest area of sand pines in the world. The forest also contains several slow-moving rivers and wet prairies. Um, kind of similar to the Everglades. And Blackwater Rivers help support the bald cypress and floodplain forest. So it's, a it's, it's really cool because it's a couple different ecoregions that support many different wildlife and, of course, flora and fauna in this forest alone. And, of course, the forest is also home to over 600 natural lakes and ponds that do help support those swamplands, springs, uh, Blackwater rivers, and even there's a little, there's a couple highlands in the area in between the two rivers that do help make up this forest. I know that the forest is really popular. I have a lot of friends that go visit it each year um, and bring back some absolutely gorgeous pictures of these different areas. And of course, when you're in the forest, you're going to see the wildlife, and it is home to a variety of wildlife. Um, you actually can go here, and you're probably around the largest black bear population in the state of Florida. You'll also see alligators, white-tailed deers, boar, bats, river otters, bobcats, armadillos, and thanks to the sandy soil of the forest, gopher tortoises will also call this area home. Uh, side note, I don't know why every time you look up a park or a state park or a forest in Florida, they're like, alligators. Don't we just assume that alligators are everywhere in Florida anytime there's a body of water, or is that just me? I guess that's just me. Um, sorry, side note. Uh, the forest is also home to the U.S. Navy Pine Castle Bombing Range, which is the only place in the East Coast where the Navy can do live impact training. They actually drop up to 20,000 bombs a year. And some of those are live bombs. Don't worry, you can't aimlessly wander onto this bombing range. It is a fenced-in area that sits not far from State Road 19. 
they're not just going to let random people walk onto a bombing range. Don't, don't have any fear of that as you go visit the forest. And of course, the forest is great for many different ver- variety of activities, and it's actually good for year-round activities. Since it is in Ocala, they do get colder nights, but they do get milder winters in this at the same time. So, does it freeze up there? Yeah, occasionally. But is it 90 year-round? No, absolutely not. So, the summers can mean really fun canoe trips down the stream, or the fall can mean camping on cooler nights without freezing your butt off. You know, it's really cool. But all the seasons mean that you can explore this area in a wide variety of this, of, like right now, I'm sure it'd be beautiful in fall. Um, and we're actually pretty cool right now in Florida. Ian really rushed, ushered in fall for Florida, which was kind of nice. So, you know, I mean, right now it's probably mat- beautiful just to walk under the canopies and to see the, if any of the leaves change or to feel the cooler breezes. Mm. So the forest is obviously known for its outdoor explorations, such as canoeing, boating, fishing, snorkeling, water skiing, scuba diving, swimming, bird and wildlife watching, camping, and of course hiking. And the forest actually has many hiking trails that run through it. One of those trails is the Florida Trail. Bicycling is actually really popular in the forest as there is a 22 mile long ride through the Paisley Wood Bicycle Trail. The trail is not paved, so mountain bikes are required and it does get you right up to close to the wildlife but the forest also offers um trails for atvs as well as horseback riding and if you're a hunter you can actually hunt on the land with permits and there is even a public shooting range that is located within the forest i thought that was kind of cool now the forest is home to 13 campsites with some being in small towns or even right off the state roads the salt spring campground offers full hookups while other campgrounds offer only limited amenities. So you can do primitive camping or, you know, RV camping, clamping. Um, you can use your RV in the campground, like I said, and there are five campgrounds that are suitable for the setups. The forest also has two sites where you can rent cabins. The Sweetwater Cabin overlooks the spring, Sweetwater Spring and Lake Door Cabin looks overlooks the south end of Lake Door. Both of those are single cabins. They are kind of far from from things, but they do hold, I think, like 12 and 16 people. Uh, they are first come, first served, and usually get booked up. So, if you're looking for a cabin with a lot of friends, maybe check these out. Of course, you can also drive the Florida Black Bear Scenic Byway, um, which is a drive through the forest to take in the natural beauty. If you're not so much into hiking or sweating to death or don't really want to be up close to the wildlife this is probably the way that you can look at the forest and enjoy it um some days that's more of the way i want to enjoy wildlife is to just drive through and look at it from my air conditioning car i get it now the ocala national forest is an amazing beautiful place but it's also weird i don't really know how to describe it other than just weird it kind of seems to keep dark secrets did you know that there's a ghost city, ghost town in the forest? Um, I actually talked about it on another episode on Abandoned Florida. It's called Kerr City. And it was a fully formed town. Uh, post offices, homes, a school, a church. And it was even a town of 100 people before it was abandoned. And the town still sits there. It's unfortunately fenced off now, so you can't visit the still standing buildings. But you can walk up to the fence. You can look down the former roads and you can take in the eerie sights. I cannot imagine roaming through the forest near dark, near dark 
and just coming upon this just abandoned town. I don't know. That's just creepy. But of course, the forest is swirling with rumors of it being haunted, home to drugs, gangs, the Rainbow Family, the KKK, and pretty much everything in between. There's actually a book written about it, about the lore of the forest. Um, if you just Google Haunted Ocala Forest, you'll come up, you'll get a book. Um, it actually looks pretty interesting. I haven't read it yet, but it tells about all the, lo- the lore of the National Forest. Um, there are constant news stories that come out about this forest. The safety of campers and ventures have even been questioned. Um, rangers have reported finding people cooking meth. Yep, meth labs are out there. Apparently, there was even a naked man harassing people in the forest. There's tons of squatters living off the land. And, of course, squatters bring with it a whole other kind of, we'll say law, lifestyle. And so this really, you do have to take this into effect when you go. Um, Squatters really are common in the area. And this has led to squatter gangs. And this is a problem. These people can hurt people. Uh, People have reported seeing stabbings, beatings, and other various punishments doled out by gangs when they don't live up to their codes. I don't even know if they know what their codes are, but it kind of seems like the last wild, wild west. So if you do go to the National Forest, maybe, you know, look out for that kind of stuff. Um, But unfortunately, squatters aren't the only things to be said roaming the forest. They say that restless spirits call the forest home. The forest was said to be the place where the KKK would dump their victims in Mud Lake. And, of course, strange lights and dark figures are said to move throughout the forest, and you can never catch up to them. Mm. The forest is also home to a ghost who walks around seeking their revenge. None of this is surprising, given how many people have died in the forest. Um, In 1994, two college students were attacked while visiting the forest, and one was actually murdered. In 1990, the body of Troy Burris was found in the forest. If Troy Burris' name rings a bell, it's because he was a victim of Eileen Warnos. And even last year, on February 12, 2021, Larry Dwayne Duggar was shot during a rainbow gathering. Larry was from Johnson City, Tennessee, and he was visiting the area during the annual rainbow gathering in Ocala National Forest. Now, the rainbow family comes up a lot in conjunction with the National Forest, and they do have a yearly uh, annual meeting. The forest is home to the Rainbow Family of Living Light Yearly Gathering with hundreds of people visiting the woods for up to two weeks. And the family's been gathering in the forest for a while, uh, but lately tensions with the locals from Rainbow Springs have increased, um, especially after the murder in 2021. The group does meet there, but they aren't always met with good things. Um, I've seen stories online, actually from TikTok, about the group and what goes on with the forest. I also have a friend who used to be in the Rainbow Forest, Rainbow Forest, Rainbow Family out in Utah, Colorado, that area. And she said that she has heard of the family, you know, the Rainbow Family meeting in Ocala. And she admitted that while a lot of her experiences were great, there are some parts of the Rainbow Family that, you know, aren't as welcoming or friendly or probably just some people that you shouldn't be around. I have nothing against the Rainbow Family. <clears throat> From all the research I've done, it's just people who want to live out in the woods and enjoy life and nature. And I'm sure that in every group there are good and bad apples. Um, it does kind of seem weird, though, that every time the Rainbow Family leaves, you hear about disappearances and murders and things not going right. And I don't know. I guess maybe if I was going to visit the ra- the National forest i probably wouldn't go when the rainbow family was in town but that doesn't mean that they're not welcome 
I just would maybe watch out. And the towns around the forest just seem not to talk about these activities. It's kind of like a don't talk, don't tell approach to the strange goings on in the forest. It actually kind of sounds like what happens in the Appalachia area where you don't look in the trees at night. You don't go into the forest at night. If someone calls your name, you don't go towards it and you don't answer back. You don't whistle. I don't know. The forest is a beautiful place and it's fun to explore, but it is a huge area. So who knows what really lives out in it? Um, I guess just be careful about which areas you explore who you explore with and when you go. I hope that you guys have enjoyed learning about Ocala and its national forest. It sounds like a very quaint little town that I would love to go visit and see their old historic downtown area in the district. Um, And the national forest does sound amazing. It sounds so much fun. There's so many hiking trails that you can wander through um, and hopefully not get lost on. You can take in the wildlife. so if Ocala is sounds like something for you, I hope you go. And if you do go, let me know. Like send pictures or tag me in your pictures on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to see them. I've actually got a lot of friends that was hearing about this episode and she uh she got excited when I was said I was gonna talk about Ocala, although she also admit, admitted to camping in the forest and getting a little creeped out. So I guess just be careful if you go and have fun. Maybe go during the daylight. I do hope that everybody has a great week. I hope that this week is much better than the last. Please don't forget those who are still picking up after Hurricane Ian. It's not going to be a short or an easy process for anyone. I did see that restaurants were reopening. I saw that Sharky's on the pier in Venice had power and had set up and even had live music. And I think that's great. I think that's great that there are places that can rebuild and reopen. Um, I saw that Pine Island is open again and Publix has come through. And so that's a great sign for Florida. I think it's great that everybody's pitched in a helping hand and we're Florida strong. I'm not going to talk about Florida man this week. Uh, we talked about him enough in the Ocala National Forest between the squatters and the meth, the meth labs. Um, but I do hope that everybody has a great week. If you guys don't mind, I really would appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. <clears throat> Allergies, guys, I'm telling you. Uh, the reviews help get the podcast out more. Um, also, thank you to those who have interacted on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, TikTok. Uh, thanks for those new, new new group followers and likes that had fun on the Wednesday poll. Don't forget to look, look out for that on Instagram and on Facebook, guys. I hope that you have a great week. I hope that the weather continues to stay very fall-like. And please don't forget to be nice to one another. Drink your water, stay hydrated, guys, and as always, that's your daily dose of sunshine.